This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. This podcast was created to be a source of fun and entertainment. And although we love to nerd out with you, one thing we do take serious is mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com potential. That's betterhelp.com potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by that masked man, Taylor Sokol. Oh, just oh, kidding. You don't have that a mask was my face, on. actually. That was actually my real face. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I it thought you looked, like, you looked a little like Shatner there just for a second. So I thought, oh, uh, maybe, maybe it is. Chris, where's my mask? <laughs> We're going to talk today about a fantastic set of movies based off a masked man who's killing everybody. 
Well, uh, here we are, folks. It is our last week of October. And, you know, we, we did a, a fun vampire chat last week. But, you know, we had to think, okay, who is an iconic figure that comes around this Halloween time that is really popular? We have these icons now, these icons of horror. And one always has stood out to me just because there's so much to the lore that is like, who is this guy? Why is he doing what he's doing? And he's, you know, known by a few names, uh, the boogeyman, the shape, but we know him as Michael Myers, not Mike Myers, the great comedian. No, no, no. Michael Myers. Yeah. I wonder if he, I wonder if he gets a lot of uh, flack for that growing up, but oh, well, uh, I wonder how much, yeah. I wonder how much in his life he had to be like, no, I'm Mike Myers. He maybe went as Michael and then he went, changed it to Mike just to mix it up. Yeah, he was like, you know what? My stage name will be known as no one's calling Michael Myers Mike. That would have been really fun. Hey, Mike, don't do that. No, um, it's Michael. It's um, Michael. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about the Halloween franchise. The franchise started by John Carpenter, the great director, John Carpenter. A very low budget early film, 1978 of Halloween, that has launched now a franchise with the most recent Halloween Kills that just came out uh, in theaters and in Peacock, the 12th film in the franchise. So this, this franchise has been going on for quite a while. And I think the, the icon, the, the giant, uh, just the way that Michael Myers has become a huge part of pop culture, uh, which would then lead into things of seeing how uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason and Chucky, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Leatherface, all of these characters have now become a huge part of the horror lexicon because of really what started with the Michael Myers movies. So, you know, Taylor, let's jump right into it. Let's first talk about Halloween. So to me, it'll always be my favorite of the bunch just because of how simplified this first movie is that came out in 1978. When's the first time? Do you remember the first time you ever saw Halloween? Or was this literally, you know, I, we just binged a lot of these. Some of these I'd never seen before. Some I'd seen snippets of. But had you seen Halloween before this last week? I remember seeing maybe not its entirety, but I remember it was uh, it was on television. And I remember kind of like uh, flipping through channels and I would go back and forth. So, you know, having it in commercials and all kind of um, chopped up, it wasn't... Um, you know, the full like horror experience, but I had already, I had known about it. So I do remember that was like maybe my first foray, but it was probably much later into my late teens that I actually watched it. As many of the podcast listeners know, and you know, I am not a horror aficionado. I think I've strayed. I've, you know, swim away. You know, I've avoided um, horror um, because uh, I'm scary enough. No, but because I just, it just, I get nightmares. I was just very like, that was like, I don't like haunted houses, you know, um, uh, but so it was really great, as you said, that we actually went back and I know you have seen quite a few of these. And we'll talk about this, but it was really good to go back and watch it with a fresh set of eyes ever after, you know, delving into this. But I just remember um, what was so different about that compared to other horror movies that, yes, you're right. It's very low budget compared to what they have now in the gore. And, you know, to have it made for TV was great because it's not a lot of blood and gore and, and stuff like that. It's a lot of um, a lot of it's implied. It's a lot of it's like after effect, like you see the body or something like that. So I think that was really cool. So it's a much more of the suspense and the the terror and the dread. I think that's what that really embodied that first film. 
Oh yeah, the just the amount of you're kind of getting all of these like point of view shots from Michael through most of the film. Um, or at least that's kind of the view is we're kind of taking it as is this him watching what's going on? Because a lot of these long shots just on the streets. And because of budgetary reasons, they didn't really have a lot of extras. So there's a lot of these scenes where they're just like in the neighborhood and there's no one around. So you're just like, is it him watching everything? It could be, you know, he could be anywhere. Plus then you add the music element of the amazing score by John Carpenter himself that constantly acts as like this other character. It's kind of like almost in a way similar to like Jaws. You know, when Jaws, yeah. when we start hearing the dun we know that the shark's coming. We get that same with Michael Myers. He's starting that dun, 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 and then the dun, dun, dun. And to know he's around the corner, he's watching. And just to think of that figure itself, like, you know, the, the, the premise is very simple. It's a simple premise. It's a, a, a mental patient that escapes and heads back to where he grew up and starts to murder people. Really, that's basic premise. There's no, like, connection. It's not like he... He doesn't have like a personal vendetta against Laurie Strode. He doesn't know who Laurie Strode is. That's that's the vibe we get in the first film. And we have Donald Pleasance, of course, playing Dr. Loomis, um, this fantastic actor coming in, which again, it's huge to have a horror. This started to become a mainstay, having these like really top-notch actors come in for these roles in horror movies. And for him too, as well, you know, that this like kind of, I mean, he was always a, you know, a stage, you know, actor and really prolific in the films but this kind of like uh, had a resurgence for his career and then he would you know obviously as we talk become a mainstay for the the character and uh this actor donald pleasance it was amazing yeah, he did a total of five movies as dr loomis um <laughs> he did you know multiple of the sequels so but the idea of michael myers getting this like jumpsuit and then the, the famous story that, yes, they took a William Shatner, Captain Kirk type mask. They painted it white and they cut out the eye holes a little more. And, you know, the mask had hair already attached. And that was the infamous Michael Myers mask. Um, I wonder, yeah, Shatner must have gotten a cut at some point. Uh, just because, again, you're like, so you named him Michael Myers. So Mike Myers. And he's wearing a William Shatner mask. So just kind of a funny combo there. But the fact that this, this character doesn't talk, all no. we hear from this character is breathing. Very intense breathing. Never says a line in any movie. The only time we hear any, uh, Michael ever talk is when he's a kid uh, in a couple movies. But Michael doesn't talk. He's just this unstoppable force. He is this brute force that somehow takes everything and never dies. It's all the body language, too. And that's what was so intense about that is it's a really and actually it's really great to see a lot of these um new age directors of horror you know we've got uh, jordan peele has talked about um the character and the embodiment is, is he has this weird because he's the almost a childlike innocence but with this you know this animalistic you know need to kill and it just i would you just see when he murders people he like would have this head cock he just kind of looks like huh interesting like he's looking at a, a painting or it's like his horrific masterpiece it's like it's so creepy but like oh he like almost ha and like has like this kind of um a little bit of sadistic sense of humor and you'll notice this in the films that he always places the bodies in some way it's not like they're just found it's like the fallout of an attic or they're like propped up and they or they're wearing a mask he likes to surprise people yeah <laughs> um, 
That's true. He does usually place the bodies. He doesn't just leave them after he kills them. Um, most of the time, there are some definitely. I think when he's on the run, he tends to leave a body. But um, somehow he always plans out in these these houses, whether it's um, his you know creepy house or if it's you know where uh, where Lori lives or whatever house. There's always some like um, hide the body in a way that they're gonna probably find it and it's gonna you know be a scare moment. But yeah, there's just that that a great reason that they literally in the script titled him. They wrote him as the shape, so they didn't put Michael Myers. Like obviously, people, especially Doctor Loomis, the most relate to Michael Myers. Like, oh, Michael Myers, you know. But everyone in the movie calls him the Boogeyman, but he's known as the shape, and just that is the thing. Is like these icons of horror, we get so used to their physical look. You know, obviously, different actors and different stuntmen have played them over the years, but we instantly recognize that look. And that's something that is a mainstay in all the films. Even though the mask has changed several times and we'll get to that later, not always for the best, um, but just creepy, that whole movie. And it is true. The gore is very low key because at that time, there wasn't a lot of films that were allowed to do as big a gore as it would get later in the films. And especially nowadays, they're, you know, go to gore town. Um, and you want to talk about it's funny you said about running or he's on the run. It, Michael does not, I don't know, this is the great trope of, of horror movies, but it's so funny how he just, he people like running like ridiculously fast. Like some of these people are like attracting, they probably were. And he just, just walks just a steady stride and he always, man, but it's like he's, I'm in no hurry because I will, it's just, it's because he's instilling that fear and dread. And this goes to, we were talking about Jaws. There was a bit of inspiration for this where he is very animalistic and it's like he just goes through the water. It's like this is his playground. And oh man, it's just, it's so intense. You're like, he's right behind you. Oh, no, he's there. Well, of course, the, the trope that a lot of people in these movies, as with any horror movie, make really dumb choices. Yes. And the dumb choices lead to their dumb death. Um, but yeah, he just walks, which is like hilarious because people, especially if they get injured or stuff, they always like, they're screaming, you know, like Lori at one point, like hurts her ankle and she's like trying to run away and she can't really run well. And I'm like, you got time, lady. He's at a just brisk. He's just he's not even jogging. He just which is maybe that's why he's in, maybe that's why he's called the shape. He's in good shape. He yeah. just walks all the time. <laughs> Note to yourself. I hope you guys out there listening to this podcast are, are going for walks. Look at Taylor. <laughs> Taylor's done a great job. Congrats to you, pal. Maybe yeah. by next year, you'll be the shape for Halloween. and Everyone's going to be like. Dang, that guy's the I shape. I know. I know. It's like imagine, imagine if My Michael Myers had an Apple Watch. We counted steps. It was like, gosh, how many steps? Thirty thousand steps. I was like, I gotta catch up. <laughs> he has a steady breath because he his breath never gets above. Well, he does get a little uh, when he's in the heat of killing someone. He does get a little. <sighs> um, but it's also like the you know kind of what you're saying Jaws like kind of will break through and get to what the fact too that there's something almost supernatural in a way that is explored more later in the sequel films of why Michael Myers one, he can kind of break through anything and he's like uber strong, but then he also has like the ability to take multiple hits, whether it's bullets, knives, uh, you know, wood blocks, bats. He just keeps, he gets beat, burnt, hit, hit by cars. And somehow he always just gets up. And again, playing that trope that they did in this film of this person is the personification of evil. 
there's nothing left. You know, whatever Michael Myers was, that's gone. It's just now this guy, this creepy guy is just out to kill. And we got to bring up, you know, this is a great uh, launching for Jamie Lee Curtis. Who yeah, the, one of the OG Scream Queens. One of the OG and a, a huge, look at the career she's had, incredible. And of course, there's a fun little, for those who like the uh, Hollywood connection, she is the daughter of Janet Lee, who, if you don't know who that is, go watch Psycho, the infamous shower scene. That is her mom. So again, kind of the see the legacy of uh, seeing her mom and being one, you know, Hitchcock being a huge uh, person of horror, suspense, thrillers, to see the legacy continue, especially for this small, little, low-budget film. I think Halloween was made for like $300,000, and it grossed roughly $70 million. So, you know, just seeing how nowadays we have had some films that are like that, these low-budget, like Paranormal Activity, uh, of course, the Blair Witch Project, these small budget films that then go on and make big franchises. But this movie, like, it just, there's something that's, it's very simple yet creepy, especially the, that a lot of the earlier part of the movie, when she keeps seeing him, but is not sure if he's real or not. Yeah, and he walks around during the day, which is, I think, is really, I think that was very different. We were not used these- to that. Yeah, where I think going back to watching these, I'm like, oh, he doesn't just kill under the cover of night. It's like it's broad daylight. Like how, you know, like there's no uh, there's no sometimes there's no method to the madness. It's like, no, it doesn't matter all, all day, every day, you know. And he's always he always knows how to drive a car somehow. Yeah. It's been a mental institute since he was yeah. six. How, how like... did he learn? Well, yeah, that's that's there. There's the uh, there, <laughs> there's something that's a plot hole there. But anyway. <laughs> I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the movie where Michael Myers has driving lessons with Doctor Loomis. I know. It's um, like, okay, turn okay. left, Michael. Okay, Michael. Turn, you're left. turn left. <sighs> Calm down. But you know, the movie did well money-wise, and what happens when movies do well? We eventually get a sequel. Now, the sequel was. Uh, it was still written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, but John Carpenter did not direct Halloween Two. He, uh, Rick Rosenthal did. And Halloween 2, uh, as a, you know, somewhat uh, similar to a lot of these sequels are going to happen, picks up immediately after the events of Halloween. It's literally that same night. And I actually do like this plot. I like the plot idea of, you know, Lori, who's been, you know, attacked, is now off to the hospital. And of course, the great ending of Halloween, uh, Loomis has shot Michael Myers off the balcony, and then they look down, the body's gone. Because the guy, maybe he's wearing a, maybe under that trench, you know, under the the clothes is, maybe he's got a bulletproof vest. Maybe no one ever checked that. Maybe no one ever knew that he was, no. But we're like, oh, you know, that was a great ending to that movie. You're like, oh, crap, the boogeyman could be anywhere. He really is this creepy thing. So Halloween 2 picks up that, okay, now we're looking for Michael Myers. He's got to be somewhere in the neighborhood. Cops are after him. And Lori is off to the hospital. And, of course, where is Michael Myers going to try to go? To the hospital to find her to kill her. And this was the twist, or somewhat of the twist, if you will, in this movie. We find out that the reason maybe Michael Myers was attacking her in the first place is Lori is actually, she was adopted and her actual parent, you know, her actual family is she's Michael's younger sister. 
And that was a like a, oh, okay, you know, like um, a, a twist, if you will. So you get this connection of, oh, their brother, sister. And for some reason, he has this crazy, you know, he killed his, he killed his older sister at the beginning of that prologue of Halloween. And now he's off to uh, find vengeance against uh, her. The thing, though, with the second one is they definitely turned up the gore element. There's yes. a, a couple deaths that are much more bloody um, or just creepy, especially like there's that one. I, I always love these movies. It's like there's these side characters that you could tell, oh, they're going to have sex. And there's this sleazy guy working at the hospital and he's like trying to hook up with this one nurse. And they end up going to like the hot tub. That's definitely like for like, you know, therapy sessions, yeah. I'm assuming, like physical therapy. <laughs> and there's like, you know, it's after hours. We're getting in the hot tub. And then the guy goes off and he gets, you know, killed. And, and then this, Michael this, Myers course, comes up. Continues the trope of uh, don't have sex in a horror film. You're going to die. <laughs> yeah, you're going to die. But I love how he like he starts to turn up the heat. And then Michael Myers comes up and the nurse thinks it's like, oh, you put on, you know, Michael Myers does this thing a lot where he wears people's clothes or he, you know, he kind of disguises himself. Um, and then he just pushes her face into the water. So not only is she basically drowning, her face is at least scalding off. It's oh, like God, burning yeah. off because, and it was like, oh, God. Again, this, yeah, again, this sick sense of humor uh, that Michael continues to have is like, oh, I'm not just And needles. You. Yeah. Ooh. Needles a lot. You know, it's a hospital. So that was creepy. Makes me think back to, you know, nowadays we see so many movies with hospital scenes, especially zombie movies. You know, I love Walking Dead and 28 Days Later, but just creepy. There's like no one in the hospital. It's like nighttime. You know, it's got to be like 3, 4 a.m. And there's like no one around uh, minus these nurses that are getting knocked off one by one. You're, you're like, they should have said, they should have said the movie. Wow. It's really short staffed around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then yeah, Michael Myers is off to uh, try to try to kill her. And this was it was interesting how they kind of ended that film. They got to a point where they're like in this weird like bunker of the hospital, if you will. And at some point, they they're able to poke his eyes out essentially, so he can't see. So he's <laughs> I love whoever the stunt guy was, or you know, he's like he just keeps he's like. I know he's playing Marco Polo with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> with the knife. He's trying to like stab her and she's in the corner. And again, this is one of those, like he's blind right now, just run around and get escape. But they start to like put on the fire, you know, it's like, Oh, we're going to burn him. Something we're going to talk about later as well. So Loomis almost in a way kind of sacrifices. Oh, you think he sacrifices himself and Lori escapes. And it's like this big explosion and it's like, okay, he's burning to death. Yeah. The end. Michael Myers is dead. This is where the, the series was like, all right, we did our two movies, Michael Myers. And now because the, the, the franchise, you know, again, it was a very low budget movie. It did pretty well box office wise, did not do anywhere near as well as uh, Halloween did. But it was like, now let's, let's take it in a different direction. Let's do Halloween themed movies that don't have to do with Michael Myers. We'll do a different, almost like an anthology series, which leads us to, the very weird, the very strangely debated Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, which had nothing to do with Michael Myers. There's actually a, a small moment in the film where you see a trailer essentially on TV. One of the characters is watching TV. 
So Halloween exists in this world, but it's not, you know, Michael Myers. This was early attempts of films to do their own kind of cinematic universe. And that 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 was that was what threw me off because, you know, oh, you know, Chris is like, oh, let's watch this one. So I'm like, OK, see, so you, you know, how they're going to bring back. No, they're doing a completely different thing where it's they were deciding, let's make this kind of an anthology where Halloween, it's like these are almost like kind of like American Horror Story in like film. Yeah, before before it would have happened. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah, so this was definitely this was kind of a, a very bonkers, uh, you know, take. In the this whole... one is bonkers. It's a little more sci-fi. It's a little more, uh, just also like very cheesy kind of humorous in a way. But the central plot of there's this company that is making these masks that all the kids want. You keep seeing these commercials and this really annoying song. Five more days till Halloween. Halloween. Halloween, come and get your mask from Silver Shamrock. And you're like, all right, so they're, they're a popular Halloween mask company. And they're, you know, and it's, there's only three masks you can get. There's a witch, there's a skull, and there's a pumpkin. That's it. Except there's something creepy going on with this company. And we follow this uh, detective, essentially, who starts to realize that, like, a dark deep secret of this company he goes to investigate it's the, the, the what made me laugh about this film is first off there's no like random little irish town uh, in places like you don't there's no like i don't know of any random little oh it's a little irish town up in california that doesn't exist <laughs> that, like what, what, i was like was like it was like they it's like they went to like disney world or something but it was like you know oh we found this little uh, and everyone's like Oh, good day to you, sir. Welcome. You know, like, <laughs> where are we? Oh, this is Northern California. <laughs> they're like, oh, we've gone to, uh, you know, this this town of Santa Mira, uh, where everyone seems to be a little too friendly, and there's like cameras everywhere. So you get there's some kind of something's going on, and we have uh, this character of Cochran, who um, he's like the the person that's overseeing and running this company and he's very charismatic and yes my mask are the best and then you start to realize that the the whole thing of the the movie is that these masks have this little chip that's been put into the back of the mask and this chip somehow has a small bit of power from a block from stonehenge which they brought <laughs> from stonehenge to this company in california and essentially with some technological device they created when they watch the TV on Halloween and the commercial plays, the mask will essentially kill the children and snakes and bugs erupt from their face so then they could kill whoever's in the room with them. And it's just like, what the hell is this plot? And there's like uh, robots, right? There's all these robots. Uh, so like the guy, you know, he's built all these kind of like androids that like run the town and they go around and if anyone ends out of line, they just kill them in very creepy ways. Like, you know, a lot of the poke the eyes out and then like, and one, one guy, I, I couldn't believe this. This is where I'm like, this is ridiculous. There's like a drunk hobo guy and he's like, I've been living here for so many years and I wouldn't go look out for the cameras. And then the robots show up and he's like, no guys, please, please. It won't happen. I swear the robot rips his head off. <laughs> like what the hell? 
You know what's funny? This just is like his head off. It, it kind of cracks me up. You know, seeing this now, it reminded me of what um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did. You know, in the you know yes. at, at World's End. So it was kind of a common at the World's End and a little bit of Hot Fuzz, where the idyllic town. So a little bit of comp. So that and I think this is funny because this is coming out. You know, in the eighties, where it was a real big poke at the commercialism of like you know. The, the dangers of consumerism, but they were like trying to do like, it was witchcraft and sci-fi. It was a weird combo of, of uh, supernatural and sci-fi, you know, super sci-fi. What I think would have helped the film a little bit. And the thing is some people now do really love the film. It's got like a cult following, you know, for being its own standalone thing. And it is like a, you know, for a lot of these Michael Myers based films are very similar plots. You know, the, the babysitter gets killed. The, the lovers get killed. It's a very similar plot. This at least was at least trying to do something new. But the problem for me is it's called Season of the Witch. There's no witch. There's no witch at all. And I'm like, if there was, you know, I think would have been a better plot point would have been not that there is this block of Stonehenge, which isn't Stonehenge in England. So like, why are they an Irish company having Stonehenge? That again, makes no sense. If they had had like some creepy, you know, like, oh, there's a witch witch coven or something there's yeah. a witch like you know he he's the face of the company but then there's a whole underground witch coven that is like creepily doing these powers and that's what's making you know to con- maybe not to kill the children but to control the children to then kill their parents i thought that would have been a better plot is like the masks make you kind of like body snatchers you know and then they go off or and they start killing very, their parents in a way to connect to michael myers and we'll because we'll talk about because what um halloween 2 did was there was hints of uh Sam Hain and witchcraft and such that to explain why he was so powerful. So to kind of connect to that in the same vein and be like, okay, you know, when Mike puts his mask on, Mike, I'm like, we're buddies. Hey, Mike, uh, he puts these masks on. It becomes like, it's almost like gives him power. So imagine these children get these masks in the movie and they just become like uh, mindless drones that want to kill like their parents because they're all talking about this movie about human sacrifice. So it would have made more sense instead of getting the technological element, you know? Yeah. So I, I wonder if this would be something they'd ever tackle again, like another try now, especially with just CGI and the way we can make films now. But it's just an oddball one of the series. It's the only one that doesn't have Michael Myers. And you can tell that when that movie came out, they were like, okay that didn't really work just go back to michael myers so there was a big break six years until the next one and like uh, literally halloween four the return of michael myers and everyone cheers <laughs> and everyone's like oh thank goodness now this is interesting to go into really to, to look at the over arc of what four five six is four five six is somewhat of its own trilogy and We'll talk a little bit more about, about this, uh, you know, as we get into H2O and on that there's like three, four different timelines of Halloween based off what sequel you count, uh, what retcons what, but Halloween 5 was considered a, a follow-up to Halloween 2. You mean Halloween 4? I mean, sorry, yeah, Halloween 4 is to Halloween 2. And the idea that no, Michael Myers did not die in that fire at the end of Halloween 2 um he he survived and so did loomis uh loomis has a little bit of this uh fire face thing going on yes. um <laughs> fire face well, a little bit of scourge going on but <laughs> they call him old fire face <laughs> well fire face but 
Yeah, this came out in uh, 1988. So at this point, I was about uh, just about two months old. It would have been three days before my two months. So I wasn't even thought of. <laughs> you were not alive yet. You were not. You were not there. But we kind of can we continue the family, if you will, connection to Laurie Strode with another family member. So at this point, Jamie Lee was probably off doing many other things. Yeah, and like training was not gonna, and whatnot. So good for Yeah. Her. <laughs> so so they have um it's kind of like, you know, continuing like another part of her family. Cause of course we remember that if she was adopted, then the Strodes are also a family that could be attacked and all this kind of stuff. But this starts, yeah, this somewhat of a trilogy of what is called the Thorn Trilogy, because we have four and five are very much like they, they, a lot of the same cast, they go kind of back to back with each other. And this is where we really start to get more of the slasher era of like ridiculous kills, like especially in five, there's this whole sequence in a barn that seems to go on forever. And at some point, like Michael, of course, it's a couple having sex. Michael takes a giant pitchfork and like stabs the guy with the pitchfork. And then the girl's like, oh my gosh. And he take, and then takes a scythe. A scythe. <laughs> yeah. And kills little, her. Little Grim Reaper style. <laughs> but I kind of liked, I kind of liked the beginning of four, like um, him kind of like escaping and he has, um, you know, like they kind of put him in the morgue and they're like, oh, he's dead. No, he's not. Um, and like going to, you know, he always goes, he always finds a car mechanic. I think, I think it's because he likes car clothes. He likes that uh, jumpsuit look. He's a he's a real blue collar. He's a real blue collar kind of killer. <laughs> he's a blue collar guy. <laughs> look, I'm just looking for a nine to five, guys. Come on. Um, but four or five and six. So we start to, especially as we get into five, we start to see this random man in black who has these black shoes that have these like little like, <laughs> looks like um, little like daggers on the shoe or something. Like it's just like, they're almost like boots. Like he's like a cowboy. It keeps popping up and you're like, who is this guy? What is this guy? And even like the end of, I think it was, yeah, the end of uh, four, there's this whole point where like they think they killed him and he ends up escaping and he ends up getting taken in by this nice homeless man. How nice. And of course the homeless man doesn't know who this man is. He's just a guy with a mask. And then it's like a year later, this is how five starts. He like, comes back to health, and then instantly kills the homeless man. Yeah, it's like, you ungrateful horror fiend. What like, a what? terrible person. But we get a little bit more of, okay, is there something that leads to why Michael Myers is so powerful? Why he does what he does? Why he can constantly, he literally can constantly get hit by things. He's shot, he's maimed, all this stuff, and he keeps coming back. Why is that? And that gets touched on a little bit more in the kind of closing chapter of this trilogy, if you will, uh, Halloween 6, which is just called The Curse of Michael Myers. And we get Paul Rudd, uh, one of his first, actually, Paul Stanley Rudd, I think is what he's that was, that was That was so great when I saw that in the credits. I was like, yes. He's introduced <laughs> no, pa- as that. No, Paul um, Stephen Rudd. Oh, Stephen, yeah. Paul Stephen Rudd. <laughs> Uh, which is so great because, of course, eventually he would have dropped that middle name uh, for a stage name. But um, kind of a cool thing, when they start to have these characters that connect to the first movie, he is a grown-up Tommy Doyle who was the kid that Laurie babysat in the first movie. So he has gone off the deep end and he 
is like obsessed with finding out who is Michael Myers, why is Michael Myers, what do you, you know, all this stuff. And then we get this whole plot of there's this cult, the Thorn cult, and they are actually the one that like essentially put this like curse spell on Michael Myers, and that's why he's essentially invincible. Um, and it's just bonkers. Well, it's so weird because this all this whole trilogy, this supernatural stuff, kind of like especially when he's got like a telepathic link. Uh, to, to, his, to the girl, yeah, that's game, right. Yeah, and it was like, oh my God, what's going on? But yeah. She sees, like, if he murders someone, she's, like, murdering, like, she, like, is in bed and then, like, wakes up and, yeah, which is like, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't need this work. And also creepy, like, they end, they end the fourth movie with her, like, on the staircase. Who killing her mom and she's all covered in blood. And then like five starts and like then that was that never happened. <laughs> it's like wait, that was what, what happened to that scene in the fourth movie? I thought that would have been a good plot because again, continuing like, is this a gene? Is this something in the the you know the Myers blood that where they, makes where, you? Yeah, it just it just because that they, they don't really they, and this is something we've seen throughout the series that they're trying to they were always trying to explain the psychosis of michael myers but they never really it's like he's just pure evil and they never really explain it but then it's like oh wait maybe it's just it just it's it's born it's he's been born into it and that just it's just how he how he is in the family lineage and you know, we got and just again mentioning donald pleasance he did come back to do all three of these um he wasn't very much used in the curse of michael myers and at that point that's 1995 so that's almost almost 20 years since the original that'd be 17 years and it's just it's kind of sad in that film he's quite quite older yes um and a little not as useful um but still a, a lot of great acting in these films and i think that this is an actor that did so many great things in his life that he would want to come back to keep playing this character so there's something about that he enjoyed and you know a lot of these films i remember reading something like on Halloween, like he came in and shot for like three days or something. That's all he needed to do for the whole first film. You know, a lot of this, they could just do it in a way where it's just get his stuff and then leave. But the fact that he stayed on to do these sequels, which a lot of these sequels, they're they're like, you know, popcorn fodder. They're not really good. Um, but that he, he kept wanting to do that role, that there's something about that character that he really enjoyed. And he's kind of the overarching heart of that uh, story until we get Jamie Lee back uh, with the next sequel follow-up. Yeah, just interesting. The whole like, it's a it's a cult, uh, and and this whole like, there's a baby and they're trying to get the baby so that they can like make a new Michael. Mar it's, it's it's just like, and also as I was going to mention earlier, from four through six and even in H two O, it's just a really bad mask. It's like they start to. It's not the same. It's like it's like you know the one you you bought online and oh this is like the real one. And it's like a piece of paper <laughs> it shows like, up and you're like, I know this is, is this it's crap? like it's basically the one that you put on your face and it cuts your face up. It's like one of those not a full mask. It's like the half mask with the string. That's what it, like I was like okay like put more money into that. Come on. Well, so yeah, 1995. That would have been the end of kind of timeline one of Halloween two, four, five, six, three being its own single movie. So before we move on to the second half of this Halloween franchise, Taylor, 
Let's take a quick break. Is that a peeping Tom? A heavy breather? Why, yes, it's your neighborhood-friendly stalker, Michael Myers, and he's back for more. Get ready for this new collection of never-before-seen direct-to-streaming movies no one asked for. I'm your boogeyman. Turn me on. Halloween 13, The Acne of Michael Myers. The Man in the Shatner Mask. Dr. Loomis and the Multiverse of Sadness. The Walking Dread. Haddonfield of Dreams. It's a Wonderful Knife. Take My Breath Away. Too Slow, Too Furious. A Walk You Won't Remember. The Out of Shape. The Yummiest Pies, The Devil's Thighs. And Halloween 65, No Time to Retire. So prepare for ghoulish delights and the slowest threat on the planet with these sequels, spin-offs, and original concepts that will haunt your Halloween nights for years to come. Coming soon to the Peacock streaming app. All right, Loomis. Tell me more about this Michael Myers. I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left. No reason. No conscience. No understanding in even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, or good or evil, right or wrong. I met this man with this blank, gorgeously pale, emotionlessly chiseled face and, oh, blackest eyes, devil's eyes, eyes you could really lose yourself in. You'd want staring at you during a breakfast with pancakes or long walks on the beach and, oh, that mask, just so perfect, with dimples you just want to squeeze. Say what? Nothing. Oh, never mind. Anyway, I spent eight years trying to reach him. He never seemed to notice me. Just staring out at that window. Just staring. Then another seven I tried to keep him locked up. All to myself. Because I realized that what was living behind those purely and simply evil eyes. It was so intoxicating. Those eyes will deceive you. Lure you in. They did me with false promises that they'll call and never will, and they'll wait by the phone for hours, but nothing. Oh, how I'd wish he'd call, so I could hear that noise. Noise? Oh, yes. Noise. His deep, raspy breathing. (sighs) So scary and terrifying and manly. So intoxicating. It will take from you your, your innocence, your pride, your reasoning. Eventually a soul. Oh, and how tall he was. I remember when we met years later in an office Christmas party of my friend of mine. We had so many shots, keg stands, and eggnog. The room was spinning, but those eyes, I'd never forget. These eyes do not see what you and I see. Behind those eyes, one only finds blackness. These are the eyes of a psychopath. My psychopath. You're kind of in love with this nutball, aren't you? Well, we're back. We're here talking about the Halloween franchise, the one, of course, featuring 
the boogeyman, the shape, Michael Myers. So Taylor, we've got through one through six, uh, one film in there, three, not really connected tissue, but we've had these, this one plot, you know, this kind of one timeline so far, but then they went and had a, another timeline. So following Halloween two, we got Halloween H2O 20 years later. What a title. Came out in 1998. What a, what a long title. H2O. H2. Really, it should be H20. I don't want people to keep saying H2O because, um, you know, we do it all the time as people. We always go 20. No, it's 20. It's 20 years. But, um, but this was exciting because this meant the return of our original star, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Uh, having to face her brother once again. This was, I think this is actually, you know, a lot of the sequels up to this point are, you know, they're kind of the duds. They're kind of very similar to the Friday the 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Street and all that. A lot of those sequels, you know, you kind of enjoy it for the kills and maybe there's a few new like plot points, but it's really you're just there to watch the main horror do its thing. There's not really a lot that you, there's not a lot that you like, you know, I'm not invested in these humans that are just, you know, they're just victims yeah you don't you don't feel for the characters i mean maybe we you're, you're following loomis because we just we love donald pleasance but this one we're bringing back a character that we get invested from the very beginning if you've watched up to this far in the series you're a diehard halloween fan but you come back for laurie strode and this was exciting too because it wasn't going to be in illinois no it was going to be in california yes halloween 3 was set in california but again that's the same thing but we have laurie who's kind of been like very, very protective of when Halloween is around and just thinking maybe her brother still does, you know, exist and he's out there waiting for me. She's working at this boarding school in California and her son is about to turn 17, played by Josh Hartnett, a younger movie for him. And she's like, well, actually, you know, Michael Myers attacked me when, I was 17. Um, so she's getting this gist that maybe something's going on. And then, of course, what happens? Michael Myers comes to town and is trying to kill her. This actually, I think it is a it's a fun movie. It has some good scares in here. It has a lot of jump scares of the it's nothing to do with Michael Myers, which we start to get a lot of that in the 90s and on of like, <gasps> and it's not it's just like, you know, it's it's her boy her boyfriend keeps popping up. <laughs> I know it's like, dude, can you we need to get you a bell or something? Like, <laughs> I actually thought for a second, uh, you know, first time seeing this, it would have been a fun plot if actually there is no Michael Myers, but her boyfriend is doing that on purpose, and then you find out that he's pretending to be Michael Myers, because like there's like two times where he runs into her, and she's like, ah! and he's like, you know, she thinks she's seen Michael Myers, but then. <laughs> He like pops out and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That would have been kind of a creepy plot where he's messing with her and he's the killer. Well, it's funny. You, it's funny you say that. And, you know, again, a lot of these horror movies and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this probably later in the podcast uh, series. But, uh, I, you know, I think about show Scream. There's these subplots where, you know, the, the killer has changed every time. It was the mask where it would have been interesting to see that, you know, this is just a mask. But this film would see a lot of this where you know there's a little bit of mistaken identity which is like you know hey you got to take off that mask just to make sure <laughs> which this film ends that way or at least it uh 
we don't know it ends this way, but that's what we get into in the next film. But I think there's, there's some good scares in here. We have a young Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. LL, LL Cool J. <laughs> yeah, there's just some interesting, you know, people in here, which yeah, I, I don't I think. I mean, you have young Joseph Gordon-Levitt for just the brief bit in the beginning. It's one of the little uh, hockey punks. That's right. That's right. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And man, just I love how like the lady comes back in the house and he's got like the hockey um, uh, uh, skate, right? Lodge the skate head. like is like in his face. And that's like you don't see him get killed. And we even have which is kind of exciting. Um, Janet Lee herself is in the movie uh, briefly. Um, so that's, you know, Janet Lee Curtis's mom. It's the original screen queen. But the movie it has a lot of creepy things. And again, I like that it's not set in Hattonfield. Uh, it's not set in Illinois. There's something about the boarding school, you know, like we've all, we've all kind of had that thought of like, what if I was locked in a school and there was a killer on the loose? Like, you know, where would I go? Where would I hide? You know, very creepy to think about that. And the movie does get to a point where you, you can tell Jamie Lee Curtis, she's nervous Nelly. She's like very, oh my gosh, he's coming back for me. But then she starts to go boss the wall. All right, well, now I'm going to kill this guy. And it leads to an incredible ending. <laughs> the, the ending of this movie at least makes up for the whole thing if you're not a fan of it or not. They end up driving down this huge lake terrain on the freeway or off, on the road down this hill. And they do this ridiculous. It's so stupid because I'm like, why did you just like, go into a tree then? She like basically is like, we're going to do this, Michael. And she throws the van like off a hill yeah and they you know it like tumbles like multiple times and it keeps like you know bouncing around and i'm like this point you both should be dead um but eventually michael gets pinned against this tree the, like the the truck and he's, he's like the class the classic reaching out like let me <laughs> reaching out like sister and then jamie lee curse is like and she takes an axe and she chops his head off I was like, that is how you take him out. And with that cool, like, you know, that noise effect whenever he kills someone. And you're like, holy crap. The movie did really well. Made $75 million on a $17 million budget. So what does that mean, Taylor? That means it's another sequel. Exactly. So we would get Halloween Resurrection. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Halloween Resurrection came out in 2002. Rick Rosenthal came back to direct, who directed Halloween 2. And this movie, to me, for for what we're used to now, I think this movie is a, you know, like a telltale sign of what's to come with, like, us being obsessed with wanting to film everything, especially with reality TV. It it was meta before it was meta. You know, it was just, it was a really good precursor to um, our obsession with... uh, uh, serial killers and documentaries and that kind of behind the scenes of you know why things happen and what a cast for this one too looking back and watching yeah this. a lot of big names especially that would, would kind of in that era play a lot of the, the teen movies and all that stuff but before we get to that cast this, this opening sequence this is the they, they do jamie lee curtis dirty yes i was so mad about this she's been a heroine character this entire time uh and we get that after she had killed that guy who we thought was Michael Myers, we found out that actually Michael Myers had swapped um, his mask onto someone else. And so she essentially murdered someone who she thought was Michael Myers, but it was not. So Michael Myers did escape. 
So she sent to, you know, essentially like a mental prison kind of thing. And she, <laughs> she keeps getting these pills and she isn't taking the pills. She's actually been hiding them in a stash. And she's actually like, she knows that Michael's coming for her. So Michael does, of course, come for her. And then she has this whole trap laid out on the roof. Like, like she somehow in the years that she's been in this, this, you know, mental institute, she planned out this whole thing. Yeah. It's like, she's the Andy, Andy Dufresne of the psychiatric ward. <laughs> she just, you know, my friend was Michael Myers and <laughs> she, um, so they're on the roof and she has this trap and Michael Myers is hanging upside down. And then again, Let's have our main character do a stupid choice. She's like, I want to see under the mask one more time. Why? Why? We don't, you don't need to see his face. Listen, you're already, you're already in the psych ward. Just chop the guy's head off again. <laughs> so Michael Myers ends up like wriggling out of it, gets her. They're like hanging off this roof and she's stabbed. Like he's, he's got her backstabbed. And then one of the dumbest writing things I've ever seen, because it makes no sense. She essentially like, let's go and go see you in hell. And this awkward slow-mo shot of her falling into the trees and then Lori's dead. And I'm like, this is so stupid. This happens in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. So you're thinking, oh gosh, oh gosh, there's at least 80 minutes without Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. And that's when you, you essentially went to this film because like, oh, she's back. Yeah. You're thinking, oh, another one with her and she's on the poster, you know, she's credited, you know, it's like, come on. Well, yeah, the rest of the film is Buster Rhymes. The wonderful actor, um, Oscar worthy, uh, Buster Rhymes. He and Tyra Banks are running this reality show where they want to invite a bunch of teenagers. Dangertainment. To come to the Michael Myers house and just spend one night in it and have cameras. You know, very much like a, it's a spooky place of legend. You know, one of the craziest mass murders of all time. Just go there for the night. What they don't know is Michael went home. And he's going to be in there killing a bunch of people. And it, it, there's, I, I will say, again, like you said, the interesting premise that we're obsessed with serial killers and murderers. So there's like a whole group of other kids who are at a Halloween party and they're watching a lot of this on the TV and they're kind of like invested. They don't get that it's not a TV show. You know, people start getting whacked off and they're like, wow, that's a good special effects and stuff. It's like, no, he's actually there. Just an interesting premise, a weird, like... You know, a lot of it was panned. It didn't really do that great money-wise, which is why I think it was a kind of a, this put a stop to Halloween for a while. Um, and that is kind of end of timeline two. Yes. Is Halloween, Halloween 2, H2O, Halloween Resurrection. Then we would have five years later, Rob Zombie, who's a huge name in horror, you know, does a lot of his own brand of films and, you know, musician as well. He would take his crack at Halloween. So this would be a, a new, somewhat of like a remake of the original with his kind of own, his own spin, taking a little bit more of a deep dive into the psychosis of Michael Myers, especially as a kid. There's a lot more in the beginning of him as a messed up kid. And you get a lot more of like very Rob Zombie of like, it's kind of a very poor, low-class family. There's a lot of abuse going on. Um, he abuses and kills the animals. There's just a lot of like creepiness to him as a kid. So you kind of get more of the, oh, the kid's messed up. This, this decided to dive more into the backstory than any of the other films had done. Yeah, because we, we don't get a lot of him as a kid. There's only that little prologue. And then we get you know Loomis in the first movie. 
I saw him in the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Um, you know, that's we don't really get a lot. This has a lot more scenes. And I will say a great casting choice, Malcolm McDowell as Sam Loomis. So, and he's, and especially because the era they're kind of playing it. I love that. Like when he's a kid, he has like this kind of longish, more hippie hair kind of going on for the era. And then, you know, when he's older, it's kind of more of what we're used to him now, but you know, again, getting this legendary actor who's done a lot of great stuff and, you know, come on, uh, clockwork orange, you gotta, you know, what, a, you know, he's, he's done his fair share of, uh, both comedy, drama, horror, all of that. So I think it was a great casting choice. There's just something about, I think the movie has like an hour or so of like, let's set up the movie. And then the last hour is pretty much a very much a, like a rehash of the original plot. So I, I kind of, I found myself skipping through a lot of it. And also because it's Rob Zombie, it's a lot more gore. And it's a lot more sex. Uh, he likes to have a lot more of that sexual, which I mean, a lot of these movies, you'd occasionally see, you know, a little bit of skin and obviously a lot of characters end up having sex, but you don't really see, it's not like gratuitous. It's not, you know, they're implying the sex. And then of course you have sex in horror movies. We find out on screen, you're more likely going to be killed. There's just a lot more, you know, there's a rape at one point. It's just like, it's creepy, but the guy that they have playing Michael Myers, Tyler, uh, Maine, Tyler Maine, is, who, would, is, uh, who would play uh, roles like Su- Sabretooth and X-Men, which is pretty, pretty crazy. This guy is huge. Oh, so gosh. like, I will say he just has this presence as Michael Myers as very brute force, like, like it's huge. Now, Halloween two, you and I, Taylor, we, we both kind of got to a point where we're like, you know what? We're just going to get on to the new movies. But I know Halloween 2 kind of goes off on its own. It's, you know, again, one of those love it or hate it, but it plays more into this weird psychosis. It goes into the psychology of Michael Myers. And like maybe like he's seen visions of his mom and he has this whole like, you know, again, as you said earlier, Taylor, the idea that Michael Myers is like this kid who like he's he's a full grown man with the mentality of a child. He's not, you know, he's smart in some ways in terms of how he always finds people and kills them, but he doesn't have the intellect as an adult, which is why he has these like brute decisions to kill people. We don't really know all that. So I didn't end up seeing the second Rob Zombie film. I watched maybe a couple minutes of it and I was like, eh, but there's 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 a couple of good kills in there, I will say, of, of what I saw. But those movies again their own kind of timeline their own thing i think rob zombie was planning to do a third one but the halloween 2 came out it wasn't received very well so the franchise took a stop that was 2009 and you know although other films that had gotten some remakes and sequels you know we had seen a, a huge boom in new horror um new directors coming in getting stuff like you know get out a quiet place you know we're getting um you know mike flanagan coming in we're getting new horror but People love the old stuff. They want to see new versions of the old stuff. They want to go back to their classic icons. I mean, now we have a Chucky TV series. Um, you know, there's been rumors we're going to get England back to play uh, Freddy once again. And, you know, a new Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, all this kind of stuff. Fun fact, though, about the Rob Zombie Halloween, you get Brad Dorff, who, who is the OG Chucky. Who is the voice of Chucky himself. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, we had in 2018, David Gordon Green would direct the first of a planned trilogy for a new take on Halloween. And the interesting thing that this would retcon 
every movie past the first film. Yes. So this would be a new sequel to the original Halloween. So playing up the idea that after the events of Halloween, at some point, Michael Myers was captured. He was taken to prison and he's been in prison this entire time up for 40 years. So kind of interesting. We had like an H2O. Now it's just kind of like a four years later. So Jamie Lee Curtis back as Laurie Strode and she has been living in this like, <laughs> like fort, if you will. Um, yeah, she has her, her own her like little... giant part of land. Exactly. And she has like this, like, you know, like defense wall and she has all these like tricks and stuff in this house. And she's been planning ever since and even training her own family to one day Michael Myers will come back for me and we need to be ready. She's been like, she's like the Sarah Connor of this, you know, <laughs> he'll be back. And then we have these two characters that essentially ripped us, ripped off, you know, what we do. Um, God, you know, we should get some money for that. Exactly. Um, we have these, we have these like podcasters. We have these, these in, the investigators that are running this like podcast and <laughs> they want to know more about Michael Myers. So they actually, somehow they get to go to like the prison and kind of meet him and they have they found like the mask from like the like the, the police where they would give him the mask we have this new creepy doctor um <laughs> who um he's like i was uh dr loomis's student um and like even from the beginning of the movie you're like this guy's kind of creepy but eventually they're like oh actually michael is being transferred tomorrow to another prison oh gosh we know what's going to happen then so of course michael escapes and then shit happens craziness and i will say i think a lot of homage to um what has come before obviously nowadays we're kind of used to just heavier gore so a lot of the kills are definitely more gory but the mask is a lot more accurate to what the first couple films were like so i overall like this halloween this 2018 one um that's setting up this trilogy of halloween kills and then halloween ends and obviously Halloween Kills just came out. We will have a review for that later this week. Stay tuned. But what do, what, what do you think of this new Halloween? You know, we've had all these sequels, many without Jamie Lee Curtis. H2O came out, did pretty well. Resurrection, eh, not so much. Then Rob Zombie did his thing. But now we're back. People want that formula again of having Jamie Lee Curtis. And her, you know, her going from the very kind of meek babysitter that, kind of steps up to the challenge to now being this like hardcore badass, you know, kind of PTSD yeah, it's <laughs> situation. Such a, it's such a change. I mean, you think of, okay, H2O, um, she, well, for the first two films, if you think about that in connecting with that H2O, she's still suffering the effects of the trauma, but in a very, not a great light. It's just, it's kind of hindering her. She's jumpy, you know, uh, she's got a creepy boyfriend, you know, she's bad tasting men. Um, but at the end of that, she does get a little bit more badass, and then they do her dirty in Resurrection. Here, it's, okay, following the events of the first film, you have someone who is maybe not dealt with it, the trauma, like a normal person the best way, but like in a, in a, like a really badass way where she's like, okay, he's still out there, but I have to, you know, she, I've isolated myself, protected myself, I protect my daughter. It's really good dynamic, again, going back to the whole you know, Michael coming home and there's that, that connection of, you know, this is a very big family thing. It's like, you know, the 
the effects of what that's happened to her and on her family, her granddaughter. I really did like that the dynamic and like the fun little there was good bits of humor too what i liked about this as well you know like oh the daughter's like yeah i prepare for this so she's got like a little safe room and things like that so it was uh definitely this did a great service to jamie lee's uh, jamie lee curtis's character throughout the films so i was really really excited about this again seeing this whole series with fresh eyes um i was really happy with the direction they, they took this yeah i think it was a, a smart choice to play with the character what would she be like four years later? Like, you know, to survive that night and to think how that would mess with you. You'd, you'd constantly be thinking you've seen this character and, and knowing, okay, I have to do what I can do to prepare because someday he might be able to come back for me. And again, the, a, lot of, a lot of the Halloween series has been about legacy and family and seeing how she's passing down the torch to not only her daughter, but her granddaughter being like, Look, I know I'm I'm coming off crazy, but we have to be ready. And of course, she was right because once Michael does come back and chaos ensues, they have to start to you know be on their best defense. So, we'll talk about Halloween Kills in a review later this week. But I'm yeah, I'm intrigued to see where this is going to go, and then just to think of what what is the future for Michael Myers. You know, this character. Although a huge part of these films and, you know, you could go to things like, you know, uh, Universal Studios heavily features him. Um, they'll do often a maze every year or so based on one of the films um, has been a big part there. But just as a icon of horror, you know, when it comes to, like I said earlier, like things like Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Leatherface, right up there is Michael Myers and just that silhouette of the jumpsuit, the mask and the butcher knife. And, you know, he doesn't talk. He's just very stoic, this unstoppable force, this beast. Are they going to go bigger and crazier? Like, you know, we've had movies like Jason in space and stuff. We've had, you know, Leprechaun in space. We've had crossovers where we had Jason. We had Freddy, Freddy. versus Jason. I mean, maybe I'm gonna see Michael, Michael versus, versus Chucky. Chucky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, because that'll be, should be hilarious. The one that can't shut up, and then the one that doesn't talk at all. Yeah, and one 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 guy's they're both they're both super quick. I don't know how they do it. You got one like, you know, his little legs running around. I also I just want like a funny comedy bros movie of like all these horror icons. You know, get get um get the scream guy in there too, Ghostface. Um, you know, they're all just hanging out, <laughs> just yeah, chilling. They just got like a little like a villain's lounge. They're just hanging out at a bar. Which that's also been a fun thing. You, you see like, you know, people have done like parody things of like, like Backstreet Boys videos, but it's, it's the five, you know, guys of, of horror icon. And, but I'm, I'm curious to know if Michael Myers will continue to be something that we're like, are we going to be too used to the character or is there going to be new ways to tell stories with that character that keep us um, in that suspense? And, you know, something that hasn't been tackled and we, we mentioned this a lot on the podcast is nowadays we're just so used to, really high quality streaming shows would ever be like a Halloween streaming show um, that can maybe, you know, they could go even to like dark territories of like, of, you know, Michael Myers youth, um, you know, things like that. So I'm, I'm curious to know where Michael Myers will go next. And you know, we've seen that with a lot of big properties. You think about Psycho, Bates Motel, we've seen now Chucky's getting a series. 
Um, even you know more modern horror films like The Purge has had a series. Hannibal so, had his yeah, own series. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you can tell more of a story. But I mean, what's very interesting about the character, though the mask has looked great, has looked worse. Um, the you know the kills, the gore has changed, but the characterization hasn't. It's again the fact that he never speaks. You know, there's the the, the breathing. So there's some of these mainstays. I think that's that's been very interesting about the character that hasn't changed in that way where you see a lot of other um you know horror characters they have a little bit some things have changed but i think that's what's interesting about like characters like him or or freddy or jason they've been a standard mainstay and they have their elements have remained the same but we keep going back because that's that's what glues us to those those screens of seeing these horror icons it's it's crazy and that music will always just anytime i think of that music we know Michael's around somewhere. That music is just iconic. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a char- it's just a character in itself, just like the Jaws theme. Yeah, absolutely. It just that's uh, synonymous with uh, the season of horror films of Halloween. It's it's um, crazy. Much of which John Carpenter is responsible for. And absolutely, we'll get to another John Carpenter film later this week as well. But thank you, folks, for listening today to our Halloween chat, and um, we hope you guys have a very fun and safe halloween at the end of this week but we'll be with you guys next time when it gets to oh my gosh november before you know it's going to be thanksgiving and then christmas and then by it'll be 2022 before we know it yes it's just gonna be crazy it's gonna be crazy but um have a good one guys and um be 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 careful the boogeyman's coming i can't breathe this mask on (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.